843-661-0937 is our number on this good Friday morning. <laughs> I'm still tickled. I mean, you, you use that uh, give me three steps line all year long when you're talking about it. Even, you know, it's it just tickles me even here on Good Friday. But you're, you're, you'll always just say that. I mean, I think you just so. Are you, are you just being blatantly honest well, about, yeah, when you tell the course. story about, hey, this is this is where I think I'd be if I were there? Well, if the I Romans think. are standing there with the capacity to kill and beat you, I mean, just in, in to, in to pulverize you, but to, to basically punish and torture you for being a follower of Christ, and they say, are you a follower or not? I'm going to say no. Now, now I'm arrogant enough to believe that I'm saying no so I can go back home and game plan. <laughs> You know what I mean? Yeah, somebody's got to deal with I, I the can, aftermath, I, I right? can get back home. I can hear my wife <laughs> saying, hey, what did you do? It's obvious what you did. You denied. I said, well, you don't understand this, Tammy. They got to have people like me to, to, to kind of scheme and game plan. And, and you know, he's coming back Sunday. He's already told us he's coming back Sunday. So I couldn't let him take me down with him. So, um, so when he does come back Sunday, we need some foremen. We need some supervisors. And I, I'm volunteering myself. As one of those um, formers and uh, foreman and and super, <laughs> but yes, of course, I would have been the person that said, I mean, when when the when the cat of nine tails and the torture, the crucifixion, and the blood and the guts and the killing, and uh, yeah, I mean, I'm sure I would have said, no, I don't want no, I know, no, no, you've got a chance, you know, to die with your savior, or you've got a chance to deny your savior. I would probably deny my savior. I would probably, and I would rationalize it in the most human way imaginable. And I'm arrogant enough to probably go back and say, hey, the reason I did that was for all of y'all. You know, when he comes back Sunday, some of us have to lead the charge. Some of us have to be, you know, the coach on the field, so yeah, to speak. You would say it and you'd and, believe it. Well, right? I mean, I, yeah. I mean, you know, the, the, you've always said. I mean, not always, but you've given me credit for saying things that other people um, don't say. So, right. yeah, here's the short line of those who don't deny. Here's the long line of those who do. I'm 99% sure that I would have been um, in that long line. Plus, we compared Peter and Paul to Larry and Magic. So who else can – I mean, where else can you get that diversity of conversation when you're talking about uh, the, the Savior of the world? 843-661-0937 is our number. We, we've offered up a lot of theories and conversations over the past several days about what is and what ain't happening with Trump, what is and what ain't happening uh, with transgenderism, I do want to make sure you know uh, beforehand, this is a sprint of a show, not the normal marathon of a show. Rev and I have worked tirelessly to put together a third hour. So we're live and in living color from 6 until 8 this morning. I'm out of here at 8. I'm going to the, one of the most, I mean, just have it on earth as far as I'm concerned. And I ain't a golfer. I mean, imagine if I were a golfer and understood um, the game of golf, I'm sure I'd have a deeper appreciation but um, my middle kid and I are going to Augusta National. We're leaving at 8. Um, full disclosure, I'm not sick. <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't have a family emergency. I'm bugging out of here a couple of hours early to go do something with my with my kid. He's a big golf fan. I mean, he watches it every Sunday. He loves to play. I don't think he's real good at it, but he loves to beat it around uh, the best way he knows how. But um. But we've got a recorded hour. Yeah, and pretty the, good. And this is not best of. This no, is, no, new, this is not new, best of. We did content. it yesterday. Yeah, we did it yeah. yesterday. This is brand new content from nine until um, from eight until nine, and then from nine until ten, we'll hand it back to um to Glenn Beck, who I used to accuse of being a conspiracy theorist, but now I'd call him a kindred spirit. <laughs> let's, <laughs> let's go to the phone. Here is Boudreaux in Orangeburg, listening to WTQS. Good morning, Boudreaux. 
Good morning, gentlemen. Uh, you know, if you read back through the scriptures, um, Peter didn't deny the Lord in front of soldiers with whips. Um, common people, one of them was a damsel, which was probably about 12, 13 years old. I mean, I'm not disagreeing with anything you said, but other than he was a little more of a coward than, than, than you're giving him credit for. Soldiers weren't threatening to kill him. They just said, hey, weren't you with him? He's like, oh, no, 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 no. And one of them was, was, a, was a damsel that, um, that posed no physical threat. Um, now, again, I don't know what line I'd have been in either, Ken. I'll be honest with you. I'd probably been in that same line with you saying, I, he should have shut up, you know. But uh, I will say this. If you want to stir up some conversation, um, I'm not convinced Jesus was crucified on Friday. Uh, I think it was Wednesday. The, the Sabbath that they had to take the people off the cross because the Sabbath was drawing nigh was not the weekly Sabbath, which was Saturday. It was the Passover because he had the Passover with them early because he wasn't going to be alive to have it. Um, Jesus said, if you want a sign of a prophet, the only sign I'll give you of a prophet is Jonah. He said, as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the whale, so must the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. I don't care what kind of math you use. Sunday morning... Before the sun came up, he was already gone, and you cannot fit three days and three nights between Friday and Sunday. I don't care how you twist it. Um, he was in the grave from 6 o'clock Wednesday to 6 o'clock Thursday. That's one day, one night. 6 o'clock Thursday, 6 o'clock Friday, one day, one night. 6 o'clock Friday, 6 o'clock Saturday, one day, one night. Anytime after 6 o'clock, you know, the Jewish day starts at 6 o'clock in the evening. <clears throat> Anytime after 6 o'clock Saturday would have been the resurrection. He's gone Sunday morning. Um and you can't fit three days and three. And, it's, and Jesus said three days and three nights, not part of three days. Uh, but that's just a case where tradition has stepped in and said we want a three-day weekend. Um, plus, the Catholic Church would rather recognize the weekly Sabbath than a Jewish holiday like the Passover. Anyway, if you want to really stir up some stuff, uh, and I'm not the only one. I'm not a wild card here. There's a lot of great theologians that subscribe to a Wednesday crucifixion. Um, they do it quietly because tradition is strong. Uh but yeah, uh, take a dive into that. That I, I won't call it a theory. I think it's just a doctrinal. Well, theory. and and then Boudreaux, you go to scripture. I think it's the book of John where they talk about Jesus cutting uh, the when, when they came after Christ. Uh, Peter Peter drew his sword and cut the right ear off. So so Peter was not. I mean, he, yeah, he, he denied later, but he was very courageous uh, at the beginning when, when they came after Jesus. Yeah, but that, that was before the, that's before he was put to death. But uh, that's right. I mean, that's exactly I right. Believe, I do believe it was a part of, of you know, being f- afraid physically, but his denial came in front of common people. Yeah. And the last time they den- he denied, the Bible says he cursed and denied him. And once he cursed, he never denied after that because nobody ever accused him of being a Christian or a follower of Christ after he cursed. So like, oh, yeah, you must be right because Christians don't talk like that. Uh, so now I find that interesting that once he cursed and denied him, he never had to deny again because the, the accusation stopped. So that that's again, I'm not beating up on on Peter. I'm just saying, cause like you, you, you've admitted, I'll admit the same thing. I don't know where I'd have been that, you know, that Wednesday evening or that Thursday, or if you want to believe Friday, you know, yeah. just, I'd like to see how you work that math out, but, um, but yeah, I agree with you. I don't know where I'd have been. Um, I know living without Christ is a bad thing, but I'm convinced dying without him is a whole lot worse, brother.
Well said. So, Thank you, Boudreaux. Appreciate it, my man. And I want to say this. I'm not going to turn this into a Sunday school lesson. or a, I mean, I'm not capable of that. I'm not scripturally sound enough. I'm not theologically versed enough to go down that road. I've read the Bible from beginning to end. I've tried to incorporate as much of that in my life as I possibly can. There are times I'm very comfortable with my walk with God. There are others that I'm like, wow, dude, really? I mean, how did you get out there? How did you, you end up in that situation or in that place? Um, I think one of the most interesting witnesses to give to non-believers is, okay, let's let's take the Bible out of the equation. I mean, you know, some people believe the Bible, some don't. Some dispute elements of the Bible, and some say, you know, um, it's infallible, and others say, well, it's infallible, but it was written by men. I mean, Paul wrote a lot of the New Testament. Uh, did, did Paul get everything? One of these, he was um, spiritually and ordainedly inspired. I mean, it was God-inspired. God spoke to Paul. Paul directly, you know, transcribed what God told him to transcribe. I can't go too far down that road but because I'm not capable. I'm not, I've never dedicated enough of my life to understand from a theological perspective um, what, what Boudreaux was just talking about, the, the dates and the days of the week. You know, the, the, the story of Jesus is something I'm very, very, very familiar with. I've talked to a lot of pastors about it. I've asked some of the weirdest questions you'd ever imagine a pastor could get asked. Um, you know, um, just I mean, the busy head syndrome kicks in. But, but let, let's take humanism for a second. Take the Bible out of the equation. It is very well documented by historians outside of the Bible accounting that Peter and Paul began preaching in a way nobody ever had. I mean, the, the, the Christian church began a march in a way that it never had before. In other words, Peter and Paul, you ready for some Baptist lingo? They were on fire. I mean, that they, they were on fire. So if Peter and Paul see what they thought was God of the universe, or excuse me, um, son of God, savior of the universe, they see him crucified. They see him put in a tomb. He's dead and gone, and he doesn't raise from the dead. Why did they go out with such fervent? Why did they go out? I mean, in other words, the, you know, you would expect Peter and Paul to say, okay, we were wrong. I mean, I know Paul happened at a different time, road to Damascus. I mean, I get that, but I'm, I'm talking about, I think those two probably influenced the modern Christian church and faith more than any two human beings. I mean, Christ is the center. There's no doubt about it. I mean, all points to Jesus. I mean, he is 100% God, 100% man. You can't understand that. I can't. I don't care how long you go to seminary. You can't understand that because you're immortal, just as I am, who has never spent a single day in seminary. So all... All it's all about Jesus. That there is no doubt about it. It's all about Christ. But when you go to the next level, I think you have Peter and Paul. So what possessed Peter and Paul to preach in a way nobody ever had on behalf of the gospel of Jesus Christ? That's what I've always said about the resurrection. I mean, if Jesus was put to death and stayed dead, wouldn't Peter and Paul find something else to do? I mean, wouldn't they sell cars on the street corner or, or start farming or fishing again? But no, they preached with a fervency they never had before. Something happened. Something happened. I don't know if it was Sunday or not, but there was a resurrection, and it inspired people like Peter and Paul to, to put their lives at risk day after day after day after day in a in a in, in one of the most, and I'm talking about they were there. I'm not reading Old Testament, New Testament. They were there. 
And if they see a person that they thought was Savior of the world put to death and never raises from the dead, to me, you know what they do, Reb? They go back fishing. They go back farming. They, they wait on Microsoft to be invented. But they didn't. They preach with a passion and a fire unlike anybody on earth ever had for the Christian faith. That's a very humanistic witness to people who say, I just can't get there. I mean, I can't get. I mean, I can get that there was a crucifixion. I mean, I think that's very, not just biblically accounted. I mean, that's historical. The resurrection is very historically accounted for. But it's supernatural. And it's miraculous. And scientific minds like to be able to explain things. And you can't explain that. But explain to me, you scientifically minded people, explain to me why Peter and Paul did what they did. And the Christian faith marched in a way it never had before. Let's go to the phone. George in West Columbia. Hi, you're on the air. Hey, good morning. I want to give you something to think about. When Jesus was, before Jesus was crucified, he told Peter that before the cock crew, he would deny him three times. Peter said, no, that would not happen, that he would die with Christ. If he meant that, he meant he would actually die with Christ. But once Jesus was taken away from him, it happened just like Jesus said. He denied him. The reason he did that because he didn't have the power of God in him because Jesus was not there with him anymore. But then on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit fell on all of them. Jesus told them before he died, too, to tarry in Jerusalem till you be endued with power from on high. The reason he could have denied Christ because he didn't have the power of God. But once they received that Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, that's when they began to go out and preach without any fear. I mean, they were beaten, they were imprisoned, all kind of things happened to them. But they had the power of God from on high at that time, and Jesus had already left. As long as he was physically present with them, they were fine. When they took him away, they were not fine until they received that spirit on the, on the day of Pentecost. That's what gave them the fire and the courage to do what they did. And without that spirit, no man can see God according to the Bible. If that, that same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead doesn't dwell in you, then you are none of God's. Think about that. Let me know what you think. Thank you, sir. Appreciate that. Yeah, we're we're um we're we're getting there now. I mean, th- this is obviously this is a political radio show, but but I have some discretion, and, and I've always argued that Good Friday to me is one of the most complicated, consequential days in human history. Period. Let's go to the phone, Corey in Florence. Hey, Corey. Good morning. Good morning. Hey, Ken, how you doing? I'm good, sir. How are you? Hey, Dave, how you doing? I'm doing well. Good, good to, hear to hear from you, from you Corey. Hey, actually, uh, you you were speaking on something that I didn't I didn't agree with for a second there, Ken. And I'm totally a Christian believer. I believe in Jesus. I believe in him being uh, the son of God, uh, him being God in the flesh. So uh, something you said where, you know, it's open to what we believe and what we believe in, but it is it, it is an actual fact that God is uh, came to earth in, in the form of flesh, and he did it. So we can believe, so he can show us how to live, so he, we can, he can show us how to go through life. And that's what Jesus did. Now, the disciples, when you talk about Peter and John, um, 
they, we, we look at the disciples, now they're just like us. We saw we, we we saw them make their mistakes and 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 go through things and do things and you you alluded to uh, Peter, you know when he uh, denied Jesus. Well, that's humanistic. He was being, that, that was his human. But if you if you fast forward past that, he was he was one he was uh, the one that uh, Jesus gave the key to to preach the gospel and to carry on what uh Jesus was doing. So we 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 can't we have to separate I guess a little bit um of what Jesus did and who he was versus what what we see the disciples done Peter, John and those what they done because they were human. And they made mistakes just like we we do today. No doubt about it. Thank you Corey. Appreciate you calling. Good to hear from Corey. 843 843- Six six one zero nine three seven. Um, I mean, we can turn and go the other way as soon as you choose. I just knew at some point in time today uh, we'd have this discussion. DW kicks it off by calling in uh, this morning, wishing everyone uh, a happy Good Friday. It's kind of weird, you know. And we're talking about the chronologicals. You know, did it happen here? Did it the sequence of events? Um, it's it's very interesting to listen to people have opinions. But 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 the reality is, everybody doesn't believe Jesus was the Son of God. And I don't think we were exactly like Peter. I mean, we are human beings. Peter was a human being, but but Peter was there. I mean, for whatever reason, God chose him to be a a central figure in the um, in the story of Jesus Christ, in the story of God coming back to Earth in human flesh. I mean, there's no denying that. Um, would it have been easier? I've always wondered this. Would it have been easier to be a follower of Jesus if you'd seen the miracles in the first person? You and I have read about the miracles. We believe in in the miracles. And, and people ask me, oh, how do you know you're right? Well, I mean, I don't. I mean, I don't. I mean, I don't know that I'm going to make it to Augusta today. I don't know that I'm going to finish this radio show this morning. But I'm as, in, I'm, I'm, as, I'm as confident that Jesus was who he says he was as I am anything in this world, as confident as a human being can be about a truthism in our world. I mean, that's something I am extremely confident in. I've done the research. I've done the so-called due diligence, and that's where I've landed. He was who he says he was, and if he's who he says he was, and you're interested in the story of Jesus, you have to do something with it, and you can accept him as your Lord and Savior, or you can push him aside and say, no, I'm going to continue to do it my way and try the best I can to get where I need to get. Good luck with that. Good luck with that. Take a break. We'll be back in just a few moments. <laughs> That's pretty funny. 843 <laughs> That's a new one. I hadn't heard that one. Well, did you find some old ones I in the did. reel? I yeah. did. Uh, Freshen them up a now, little. Okay, we're, we're really promoting our product, don't we, Rev? You're, <laughs> well, you and I are in this thing together, and we're slightly better than a colonoscopy. I okay. I, I found Good that, day. and I thought it was a little entertaining. Okay. So I uh, a self-jab. There. <laughs> exactly. Okay, fair enough. Let's Why go not? to the phone. Someone's there. Bill in Sumter listening to WDXY. Hi, Bill. You're on the air. Hey, good morning, guys. Hey, Ken, so I'm going to throw out a conspiracy theory for you. So all week you talk about politics, and I hear I can hear you crystal clear like you're sitting right next to me. But the minute you get a little church up in there, how come I get a lot of static, man? You might want to look in the FCC on this one, brother. <laughs> Y'all have a good one. Thank you, sir. Appreciate <laughs> it. Appreciate that a lot. Look, I, I want to be careful. I mean, I, I give opinions. I believe that the majority of my p- opinions are backed by facts. Now, now, you know, we can say alternate facts and interpretation 
of facts. We get people who send rev things to to forward to me from NPR and Salon. We get other things from Breitbart and such and such. I believe the Bible is inherently the Word of God. I don't think Breitbart is. I don't think Salon <laughs> is. I don't think NPR is. I don't think Fox News um, is. And the point I try to make on Good Friday is something happened in the world some 2,000 years ago that I believe every single human being at some point in time in their existence has to struggle with. And you have to make a decision. Now, now I've always been um, probably more guarded than I should be about encouraging people and, and witnessing to people. I mean, my life has been extremely transactional. I mean, it, Rev, I'll say it, and you, you know what I'm about to say. So, so I'm, I'm guarded and careful about, you know, whom I approach about whatever. Now, that's that's like DW is not. I mean, DW is unabashed, unapologetically a witness for Jesus. Um, I believe in the story and gospel of Jesus Christ as much as DW. He and I've talked about that uh, before. But but today is a day that people had to make a decision. I mean, in, in real time, in the moment, at the at the event. I mean, they were live there. I mean, it's not like watching a Springsteen video on YouTube. I mean, there, there were people at Madison Square Garden who saw Badlands and Born to Run and Thunder Road, and it moved them in some way. It's different than YouTube. So, so there's something that, that, you know, once again, I believe that man, by its nature, and I'm talking about literally, not figuratively, or figuratively, not literally, I'm sorry. I think that man, by their very nature, has a burning desire to know where they come from. I mean, I know I do. I can't speak for anybody else, but I believe that man in general has a burning desire to know where they come from. And I went on a journey. When my 29-year-old sister passed away unexpectedly, I went on a journey. I mean, I became a Christian because of a drug problem. My mama drug me to church on Wednesday night, Sunday morning and Sunday night, whether I wanted to go or not. My mom was indeed a Proverbs lady. But when my 29-year-old sister died, Rev, I began a journey to better understand why do I believe what my mom required me to believe? Because, I mean, it was innocent then. I mean, it was, you know, I was baptized at 11 because my mom said this is what the right thing to do is, and I knew my mom wouldn't mislead me. But at some point in time in my life, I had to take some, I don't know, intellectual curiosity and in, in where I come from, what the meaning of life is, what my obligations are to fellow man, what my responsibility to humanity is. I am a steward of the planet. God has given me a blessed life. What am I to do with that? And I can't find the answer at Breitbart. I can't find the answer on MSNBC. I can't wait for Tucker Carlson to tell me to do about that very consequential decision that we all have to make in our lives at some point in time. And and to, to me, the Bible is that. I mean, the Bible is the place you go to basically fly, find the blueprint of how to live your life. Doesn't make all your troubles go away. Doesn't make tragedy stop happening. It doesn't mean your kid's going to get off drugs tomorrow. Doesn't mean your wife's going to love you more tomorrow. It doesn't mean you get a better job tomorrow or a bigger paycheck next week. It just means that there's something you have decided that is elemental in your life. And, and you know, I would encourage you, and I mean this sincerely. I don't give directions. I certainly don't give orders. But I would encourage you to explore the gospel story of Jesus Christ and make a decision what you are going to do about the most controversial and consequential figure in the history of mankind. Take a break. 
Back in a few. 843-661-0937. Stand back. What? What is it? <laughs> Stand by. Our reluctant what, superhero yes. or something like that. I don't know. Anyway, thank you for um That's funny. For, for the endorsement, Trev, yeah. on some of the uh, some of the liners. I, well I found I found some I found them in the archives. You did. Yeah. I just put them in this I put them into rotation. Good deal. Yep. Let's go to the vault. Breeze joins us now. Good morning. Kid, I want you to know that I say this with all the Christian love <clears throat> that I can muster. Um when you're down there amongst all those sissies, punks, wimps. And I guess I can't say the other words. You, you made the comment, my people, that made my people. Well, you need to go ahead and just show everybody what a daggone whoop butt kind of stud bolt for Papico you are and drop down and knock out about 20 or so push ups right there, like on that damn 18th of Golf Green somewhere, right there in Augusta, just to show the people what it looks like that they don't even have a clue. Or what Muscle's address is, and if somebody doesn't like it, I'm sure the Rev can get a fund together, and we'll bail you out because I want you to get up there and give them a Pamplico knuckle sandwich if they don't like you doing push-ups. <laughs> you know, and also it'll keep your estrogen levels down while you're all around all those sissies and woke liberal punks. You do a few sets of push-ups, it'll bring your free testosterone up. That way you aren't walking around, daggone, feeling all sensitive and crying, stuff like that. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I got you, Breeze. I appreciate it, my man. Right. Th- thank you for the uh, for the travel <laughs> advice there. Yeah, this is the last hour of live radio um, this week. You'll be stuck with us again Monday live and in living color at 6.05. But um, Rev and I did a um, did an hour's worth of radio yesterday, so it's somewhat timely. And I think it's interesting and good. It's not mm-hmm. a best of. Uh, it's not something we pull from the archives. It is it's new a, content. It's new content, never uh, before heard. Exclusive content, right? You don't have to pay sure. four ninety nine to get the to get the uh, exclusive from O'Reilly or somebody Hannity or somebody. You got to pay four ninety nine. You get yeah. stuck with this for nothing. That's the beauty um, of free radio. Yeah, and then at nine, Glenn Beck will be on the hour. Uh, excuse me, on the radio an hour earlier than normal, talking about sensitivity and estrogen. And, um, you know, there's a big element in America today, and I don't understand it. I mean, I was going to talk about it this morning, but we'll have to wait until until Monday. But the Biden administration is beginning to address um, changing Title IX. They did some things yesterday, proposed um, some legislation or some executive action and authority that would prohibit some of these schools from um, some of these schools are instituting policies that prohibit transgender men from fight, you know, fighting or competing against competing against a better a better uh, word competing against transgender women. We we had a story yesterday that um that that got a bit viral. It got viral over the weekend, and we had some callers and some discussion uh, about Anheuser Busch and their decision to partner with a um, a transgender a gender dysphoric individual who is a grown man and and speaks like a little girl. And we began uh, a conversation about what to do in relation to Anheuser-Busch. Kid Rock, you know, shot at some beer cans. Um, Travis Tritt, Rev told me. I didn't see this, but Rev says that Travis Tritt said he has given warning to his promoters that he doesn't want any Anheuser-Busch product in in some of these um, hospitality rooms that they have before they give their concert. But if you're selling beer and you're sideways with Kid Rock and country music, You've got some problems. I mean, you've got some serious 
serious issues. And, you know, we fostered a conversation yesterday, and, and it ended up, I mean, I think I'm right when I say this, it ended up with a lot of people saying, I'm never drinking Anheuser-Busch again. And I said, well, you're entitled to that. I mean, you're certainly entitled. If um, I mean, remember people on the left boycotted Chick-fil-A but because they didn't like the stance that Chick-fil-A stood or took on whatever situation it was. I mean, people are entitled to boycott. People are make are able and allowed to make conscientious decisions in the marketplace based on their political beliefs, their religious beliefs, their favorite sports team, their favorite radio show host. I mean, you're entitled to 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 execute those decisions uh, on your own volition. But but I dug in a little bit yesterday. I've got friends in the business, in the beer business. I've got friends that have been in the beer business many 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 years. When you build truck beds for a living, um, nearly every year you take beer bodies off trucks and put them on other trucks in other words the beer body outlasts the truck so if the truck lasts 10 years and the beer body lasts 30 years you take it off one truck put it on the other and i developed a lot of friendships that have endured and and are important to me amongst people who are in the beer business and yesterday when we fostered that conversation about what to do or not i don't think i encouraged anybody to do anything but we certainly did um, allow for people to express themselves about what they're deciding to do in regards to the decision Anheuser-Busch made. But I want you to remember this, that the people making that decision are not the people that I swapped the bodies over for. They're not the local beer wholesaler. They aren't the, the, the beer distributorship. They aren't the, uh, what am I trying to say here? They are the truck driver. They aren't the route runner. They, they aren't the convenience store owner. They aren't the ones that set up the end of the racks. You know, when you get this um this Chase Elliott stand-up, you know, on behalf of Coors or a Dale Earnhardt Jr. stand-up, on behalf of Budweiser or Bud Light. Bud Light's, I think, the brand that decided to. um. But I found out yesterday, and I think you'd be interested in this, everybody I talk to in the beer business is as angry as you are about what Anheuser-Busch decided to do. The people that I know and have developed and fostered and care about the friendships, they are as pissed off as you are about what Anheuser-Busch has decided to do, but they're, they're a little bit helpless in all of this. I mean, they're, they're, they're local people. They, they, they make a living promoting a brand, delivering a brand, fostering a brand, um, you know, hoping you partake of that brand. And, and I know these people to be good and decent and moral and ethical. And when I spoke to about two or three of these people yesterday, you could hear in their voice how angry they were at the the parent company that they have so little control over. They get your anger. I mean, they, they, they totally understand how angry you are that not, and I, I'm thinking about, not, it's not some um, some vineyard in San Francisco that decided to do this. I mean, it's Budweiser and Bud Light I mean, when I think Budweiser and Bud Light, I think of the guys that worked with me at the truck body manufacturing plant and what they did at 5 o'clock on a Friday afternoon. And the last thing they want to see is somebody hawking their brand, pretending to be a sex they aren't, uh, gender dysphoric and gender nonconformity. If you ask the good old boys, what is gender nonconformity? I don't know. But if somebody walked in, that they would know it, they would see it, they would sense it, they would realize it, so the point that I want to make, and I'm not apologizing for anything we did because we simply facilitate here. We allow you to call and express yourself. 
And I did say, and I stand by this comment, if it's your right to boycott, you have every right in the world to make a decision as a consumer of what reflects your values. But I think when you make that decision, remember that the people that you're impacting or affecting are not the people making that decision. They know they've got a problem. When Kid Rock shoots your beer with a gun, you've got a problem. I mean, if you've made Kid Rock mad, chances are you've made a lot of good old boys mad. When you, when Travis Tritt says thank you but no thank you, I mean, they know they have a problem. But, but from what I've understood and what I gathered, and once again, I'm not at the corporate level. The people that I speak with, a couple are. They have access to that corporate level. But, but they led me to believe that Anheuser-Busch is owned by a company in Bev. I mean, it's a big international conglomerate. They hired, and this is kind of unusual, they hired within their hierarchy a social media influencing division. That doesn't surprise me, but it doesn't surprise you. Um, but, you know, marketing's changed. Branding has changed. It's a different animal now. It's not just advertising on college football games. It's not just advertising at the race. It's not just, you know, country music. I mean, when you think beer and you think Budweiser and Bud Light, I think racing, country music, college football, you know, uh, that, that's kind of what I think. I mean, that's associated with that. And, and I doubt that transgenderism is very popular or gender dysphoria is very popular in that world. But, but here's what I've gathered. And, and I don't have this from Anheuser-Busch. So I'm speculating that this is what happened from a fairly informative source. When they, when they, when they built within the organization a, a social media influencing division, they hired young people who understand social media. They understand influencing but they don't understand beer drinkers. They don't have any idea who their consumers are. They get social media. They get wokeism. They get political correctness. They get corporate America's obligation to diversity, equity, and inclusion, but they don't understand who the beer drinkers are and what the beer drinkers believe. And that was a terrible mistake that Anheuser-Busch made. And I hope that they're committed to correcting that I hope and pray that they make an apology because I think as a beer drinker, you owed an apology that your beer has become, you know, loosely associated with a grown man who dresses like a woman. So, so I'll be interested as the days progress as to what Anheuser-Busch decides to do in response to um, not, not the grown man who dresses like a girl and not to the three-tenths of one percent people who identify as gender dysphoric, I'm talking about to the beer-drinking crowd, those who go to Travis Tritt concerts, those who go to Kid Rock concerts, those who love NASCAR, those who get together on Saturday afternoon and watch the Gamecocks or Tigers play. And and I want you to know, I mean, there, there's nothing about this I'm sure of except this. You ready? The people that sell you beer locally are just as mad at Anheuser-Busch as you are. Let's go to the phone. Here is Jam. Good morning. Good morning. Um, Ken, I've always, always enjoyed your Good Friday shows. Um, I'm, go- I'm talking about going way back, and I've always enjoyed them. Um, this conversation about Bud Light, one of my very best friends is good friends with Adolphus Bush, Bush's grandson. And he has met uh, Mr. Bush. Um, and you can imagine there's still large um, holders 
in that business. And um, my friends told me that um, Adolphus Bush, the older Bush, and the grandson are furious over it. And it doesn't stop at the local dealers. It goes all the way to the top, even though they're not the owners anymore. But they they have a large investment in that company, and they're furious. So I just wanted to tell you that. Thank you, Jim. Appreciate that. That's kind of what I'm gathering. That um. That, now here's the question: You want to go to corporate governance? I mean, I think this is an honest observation to make. So a, a company like InBev, I mean, an international conglomerate, has a lot of policies in place. You got to believe a lot of competent people. You you would imagine running the company. Um, big market share, big brand, um, iconic brand, to be honest with you. How does corporate govern, governance allow a uh, an influence, excuse me, a social media influence division within do that without somebody signing off on it? That's the people I talk to's anger. Um, the people are, are, are as frustrated because, once again, Rev, their livelihoods are associated with the product now that, that you know the parent company decided to associate with a grown man who dresses like a girl. They're furious about that, but, but they're not furious at you. I mean, they, they understand your, your problem. They understand your animus. They understand. I ain't buying that beer anymore. I mean, they, they certainly understand. They're not asking for sympathy. I think what they're asking for is understanding that they had nothing to do with this decision. And their anger is not at the grown man who dresses like a girl. Their anger is at corporate governance who allowed the creation of a social media influence division that somebody didn't sign off on. In other words, somebody from the social media influence division should have gone or should have been made to go to corporate governments or governance and said, hey, what do you think of this? Somebody in corporate governance would have said, no. I mean, th- this isn't this isn't an organic vineyard in San Francisco. I mean, we're in the beer business. Do you know who drinks our beer? Let's go to a country music concert. Let's go to a racetrack. Let's go to a college football game. That's where our consumers are, and our consumers think that's weird. They think that's evil. They think that's a concoction from hell, and we're not going to associate one of our legacy brands with something as perverted as that. You think it's perverted. The local beer guys that I know believe it's just as perverted as you do. Let's take a break. We'll be back. In just a second. 843-661-0937, our number. Let's go to the phone. Someone's there. Mike in Darlington. Hey, you're on the air. Happy Good Friday. Uh, I I tell you, uh, I kind of agree with you about the the beer situation and everything. Um, my nephew, he, he busted his butt selling Anheuser Bush for years until he passed away. And I, I'll tell you, the... The whole thing about this, this doofus that's doing a parody of a, of a girl, I mean, anybody that looked at him could tell he's a man the way he moves and everything, and he thinks he's acting like a girl. I don't know what's wrong with the people that they want three-tenths of 1% of the market share, and they're willing to give up 30% of the share they have because I think they're putting about that much at risk. With uh, with this doofus they have out there, uh, it could be the same situation that Subway ran into. That uh, their customer base uh, did care what they endorsed and what they didn't endorse. But uh, I, Ken, you mentioned something yesterday 
that uh, that kind of concerned me. Like you would, uh, if you had the opportunity, you know, uh, and the money, you might just take off to the wilds of Wyoming and have a ranch and keep a beach house somewhere down on the Gulf Coast. But uh, for the winter time, but I, I I think you were born to fight this fight. And it might be a losing fight. It might not be. I think it's going to be close either way. But I think you were born to do it because you're just the person to get out there and say what needs to be said. Mike, that's very kind of you. Thank you. I do. I don't regret saying that because I want to shoot you straight and be honest with our listeners. But the one thing we've tried to do, guys, and you know this, we've been gut level honest. I mean, I've talked about a kid who's an addict. I mean, I've talked about struggles in my life. I, I mean, Rev, Rev says, man, how do you so openly talk about getting thrown out of office? I mean, it is, you can read about it. It is what it is. Why would I let a reporter from the state tell you about it when I could? You know what I mean? I can tell it a more accurate accounting, but but I'm tired of it. I mean, I'm just tired of the world. I, I joke around. My wife and I go, go to the beach. I mean, we really enjoy one another uh, when we're down there. And she says I like to go hide, and maybe that's maybe that's the truth, but um. But, you know, and, and I, I'm to the age now that I'm not old. I mean, I'll be 60, but I'm, I'm reflective. And, and I think about what I've done and what I want to do. And and I'll give you an example. Um, it would be hard for me to encourage my kids to go in business for themselves. I don't know that my father would have gone in business for himself today because the government's punitive. I mean, it, its oversight is, is overzealous. You got bureaucrats who've never been in business a day in their life, and they will bust your ass as soon as look at you. I mean, we talked last week when Breeze was talking about the gear program, the the debt offset program, the state of South Carolina. I mean, I think Rev said so. They've turned the government into the collection agency for some of these, um, you know, major medical mm-hmm. facilities and and institutions of higher learning. Yeah, and I just, uh, Mike, I do get frustrated and I get tired of it. And at times I say these things that if I had, you know, a hundred million dollars and didn't have to answer to anybody about anything, I mean, I've done fairly well, but I answer a lot of people. You know, I had someone call me last night. We talked for about 30 or 40 minutes about you say things that I want to say so desperately, but I'm afraid to choose sides. I mean, I'm in business. I need tigers and gamecocks. I need Republicans and Democrats. I need blacks and whites, and I can't put my opinions out there. So, so the reason I listen to you and kind of high-five myself when you say these things is because you, well, I mean, I'm in the business confrontation. I mean, I've decided to be opinionated about the world and, and, and the way I see it. But, but I mean, tell me who out there, if had $100 million, wouldn't like to check out and just not be bothered by it. And instead of you being mad with me and me being mad with you and Fox is aggravated with MSNBC and, you know, the the the... The, the, the school administration's mad with the voters, and the voters are mad with the, with, with the politicians. I mean, if you had blank you money, I mean, why wouldn't you go to Pauly's Island in the winter and Wyoming on the summer and just, you know, um, go to the grocery store one day a week and, and raise cattle and ride a four-wheeler and sit on the beach? But, but, you know, when I think of that, I also think of my calling and, and my being led into um, this, I, I believe we're talking about Good Friday and God and Jesus and divine intervention. Um, imagine this. I mean, imagine a world where someone gets thrown out of office, somewhat disgraced, ends up with a bigger microphone than he ever had. I mean, what, what are the odds of that? So I do believe that God has given me an opportunity to affect change and to give forceful opinion. Now, now, I think Rev will give me a little credit here. I do the work necessary 
to be understanding of the issues I'm talking about. No doubt. But but it's easy to say if I had blank you money, I'd have a house in Paulie's, I'd have a ranch in Wyoming, and you wouldn't hear another word out of me. But the truth is, I think God expects more out of that. I can't speak for you, but me personally. And and, and I think about being thrown out of office, ending up with a one-hour radio show on one market, then ends up four hours on three separate markets, and now a podcast that we think we can grow. That ain't me. I mean, I'm not crazy enough. God given me, God's given me a, kind of a, a talent or a curse of running my mouth. But, but that's about him allowing me to enter the fight. And uh, do I like the fight? Some days I do. Uh, some days I don't. Some days I'm making progress. I think we're turning, uh, the, you know, kind of the meter a little bit our way. Other days I think we're getting our ass handed to us. That's just kind of the way. And I can relate to Limbaugh. I mean, I, you know, he had a big bird. I mean, he's the most popular guy to ever do this in the history of mankind. And he said most times he feels like a failure because he preaches the gospel of conservatism to a nation and the majority don't buy it. The majority would rather government take care of this and government take care of that and government take care of something else. And I'm going to tell you guys, the, the one thing that inspires me to do this is to convince you as steadily as I can to be unbelievably suspicious and cynical about the motivations and intents of your federal government. They're not your friend. They've disguised themselves as your friend for a long time, and you are naive enough to believe it. Some of us are coming to our senses and realizing that that is not our government, it's their government. And the only way it becomes our government again is if we're willing to forcefully speak our peace, show up at the ballot box, and act change that is agreeable and consistent with the Constitution. Let's go to the phone. Ashley in Poston's Corner. Good morning. Uh, good morning, fellas. Um, well, and, and I agree with you on the local distributors. They, they didn't have anything to do with this, uh, with this decision, with the way the corporate model worked out and, and how this market employee worked out. I agree with all of that, but I went to the grocery store yesterday, and the Bud Light was there, the Bush was there, the Metro Light was there, the Ultras were there, the Coors and the Miller Light was just about sold out. Oh, there's no doubt about it. I mean, I'll assure you, Ashley, you're all over it. I mean, there is a there is a price they're paying. I mean, there is the consumer has spoken loudly and clearly. Now, how long does that last? I don't have any idea. But, but the people I spoke with in the beer business, there is no doubt that the consumer has spoken loudly and clearly. Well, and, and, and also, too, I went, I went to the dump yesterday to take off some trash, and I seen three cases of Bud Light that hadn't been opened was sitting out at the, at the dump. I mean, somebody just took beers they'd already bought and just throwed them out. Where's that dumpster, Ashley? <laughs> what, what dumpster's done? <laughs> <laughs> down there, there hand soda. Yeah. Do, you, do you think those those old boys from the next going to keep on drinking that? I, I don't know. I mean, do you I, think I, those boys from Pantlico is going to keep on drinking Bush or Bud Light? And that's no. their, well, but that, yeah, you would agree with me. That's their decision to make. You know, oh, yeah. they, they'll have to they'll have to decide whether this is a lifetime ban or, or, or they're going to show their displeasure and maybe Anheuser Busch in some way somehow can agree that they made a big mistake and right that wrong with their consumers. It was a terrible, terrible decision and one they're going to have to live with. And they have they have taken the transgender issue and piggybacked it on the feminist and and the racial issue also. 
and where are all the feminists standing up for you know women's sports title nine what joe biden and them did yesterday you it's it's crickets it's absolute crickets thank you ashley appreciate it. i'm gonna lead the show monday with this um this 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 biden administration proposal that would prohibit any school that that institutes policies and then their words, I mean, I'll read it verbatim, categorically banning transgender students from participating on sports teams consistent with their gender identity. You know, I'm about to go here on transgenderism and sports. You know what I'm about to agree? Let them play. I mean, excuse my French. Really? I mean, I've, I've not had a Bud Light today. I've had a Celsius, but I've not had a Bud Light. Let a woman just keep getting her ass cut. I mean, if a woman wants to go in an octagon with a 200-pound man in the name of transgenderism and gender equality and gender rights, I mean, just I, I think the man should just beat the hell out of her, and and sooner or later, women will say, "I don't have any business doing that." I mean, I don't want to fight that man. I don't want to compete against that man. Uh, you you know what breaks up Don Staley's dynasty? I mean, I know they didn't win a national championship. A, a decent high school basketball team of dudes. I mean, a, an average high school basketball team would beat Don Staley's women's basketball team by thirty points every night, every single night. So instead of all this Title Nine. Let's just say, okay, we're all the same. 120-pound, 30-year-old female, you want to fight? Here's a 220-pound black belt who's in the gym six hours a day. Have at it. Let's see how that works out. I mean, you went women basketball. You, you, you know, here's a dude. He's 6'9". He can jump from the free throw line and dunk all. I mean, he's LeBron James. He wants to play with some women. And, and, and you know, a great women player, Dino Taurasi, I think, is probably one of the better female players in history. She's the only woman I've ever seen that I'm saying to myself, she wouldn't look totally lost. I mean, she would be the worst player on the team, but she wouldn't be totally um, lost. But but I, I'm serious. I mean, it, it's almost like the, the libertarian in me, the anarchist in me says, screw it. Let's throw Title IX in the trash and let's have a free-for-all and let men and women compete. And, and if men win all the medals, if men win all the contests, if every female MMA fighter's in the hospital with broken jaws and cracked skulls, then hey, that's what we're hey, that's what we ask for. We're woke and politically correct. Come as you are. Let's go to the phone. Rodney and Florence. Good morning. Hello. Hey, you're on the air. Okay. I'm gonna put a one year ban on my Bud Light. I just don't know what beer is best to drink. I think I might be a Heineken man. Good deal. Thank you, Roddy. Appreciate that. 843-661-0937 is our number. Um, I mean, the marketplace will decide. If we let the marketplace respond, it will. Let's go to the phone. This is Raleigh and Mackby. Good morning. Good morning. How are y'all doing this morning? Good morning. How are you? Good. I'm confused with the timing of the transgender uh, promotion did we not have a transgender person a couple of weeks ago walk into a school with innocent children and hero staff members that helped to save lives? Um, and then we have this kind of response just afterwards. Not the most timely decision. I mean, it seems to me that that corporate or somebody at the corporate level, thank you for the call to appreciate it. Somebody at the corporate level within, and this is what I'm gathering guys. This is not an official statement from Anheuser-Busch. This is folks I've talked to. They've led me to believe that Anheuser-Busch at the corporate level created, I'm talking about InBev, 
That's the parent company of Anheuser-Busch. It's a Belgium company, if I'm not mistaken. They decided to create within a social media influencing division. And somebody with authority inside that social media influencing division thought it was smart to let a transgender or gender dysphoric individual halt their beer, promote their beer, associate with their brand. And when I think of Bud Light, I don't know about you. I think college football. I think NASCAR. I think country music. I think good old boys. I think sitting on the beach, listening to the Eagles. I mean, that, you know, I drink my Bud Light Lime. I'm a Jefferson's Ocean and a Bud Light Lime consumer. Nothing changes about that. Nothing is going to change about that. But it was a horrible, horrible decision at the corporate level. Let's go to the phone. Bob in Florence. Hey, you're on the air. Hey, good morning. How are y'all? Hey, Bob. How are you? All right. I, well, I'm a Bud Light fan, but not anymore. But my question is, what's next? If we keep it loud and stuff, what's next? And it just reminds me of an old country song. I think it's Aaron Tippin from Greenville, South Carolina. You got to stand for something or you'll fall for anything. So but, screw Bud Light. Thank you, sir. Appreciate that. 843-661-0937. You ready for some trivia? Yes, sir. Yeah, we, we got to get out of here at about 8 o'clock. So I want to make sure we have our, our listeners given an opportunity to win. Our um, takes Mondays to make. I normally have a Celsius at nine. I had one at seven this morning, two hours ahead of schedule. Um, <laughs> I could tell. Well, I got my <laughs> caffeine infused in the old in the old body and system. I ain't going to Wyoming. I'm not giving up on this fight. I'll get rejuvenated at, at one of the most spectacular places on earth. That being Augusta National, uh, Pepsi of Florence for whatever reason associates with this nonsense. They do a um, takes Mondays to make Fridays trivia question we give you an opportunity to win a couple of t-shirts some product so so here's the question you ready first caller to answer this question wins a six pack of pepsi product a couple of takes mondays to make friday's t-shirt who was the oldest person to ever win the masters the oldest golfer to ever win the masters was whom 843-661-0937 Seven oldest golfer to ever win the Masters. Eight four three six six one zero nine three seven. The Celsius will keep me company on my trek, my two-hour drive uh, to Augusta National. Somebody there? Hi, oh, you're on the air. You know the answer? Jack Nicholas. Jack Nicholas, forty-six years old, eighty-two days when he won the Masters in nineteen eighty-six. Oldest winner ever of the, uh, I guess, the most storied golf tournament in uh, on on the planet. Who is this? Where are you calling from? This first-time caller from Florence, DW. This ain't no first-time caller. <laughs> I know better than that. Yeah, it take it takes an old man to know who won an old another old man who won who won a golf tournament. DW, hang on for a couple of seconds. We'll get you information. But uh, yeah, Jack Nicholas, the youngest was Tiger Woods. I mean, Tiger won at like twenty-one. Yeah, I thought Sergio Garcia. No, Sergio nearly won as like a nineteen or twenty-year-old. I'm not a golf fan. I, I really and truly am not. But I am a majors fan, and I really love Augusta, and I love St. Andrews. Something about the tradition of those two places. And, um, and, and once again, I've told Rev this 100 times. When you go, you, you realize what's possible or achievable when enough people care. There's an Olive Garden. There's a CD hotel. That there's a convenience store. There's a Walmart. And there's these uh, just, just, just very discreet gates. 
I mean, it, it, they're very simple. You're talking about Washington Road. Yeah, Washington Road. I mean, it looks yeah. like it looks like any place off the interstate. And all of a sudden, and if you drive by and you're not really paying attention, you don't see the gates to Augusta National. But when you turn down those gates, I think I think somebody said it the other day. It's like the Wizard of Oz going from black and white to full. Um, at the time, it was a chromacron color. What was it, Rev? Remember Te- Technicolor? Technicolor. There you go. Technicolor. I knew you would know that. Anybody that knows tropospheric ducting <laughs> certainly knows uh, technicolor. You know tropospheric ducting. Well, I know yeah. because you've told me. <laughs> and every now and then when I've tried to press somebody, and they'll say, hey, man, I tried to listen to the other day on the radio, and I couldn't hear you as good. I said, it's that tropospheric ducting. Don't make me explain that to you because <laughs> I don't make you seem stupid. Well, it I is. mean, it's real hard for people like me to explain things <laughs> uh, to mere mortals. We'll take a break. We'll be back. In just a few moments. A whole lot of redneck, not but a little bit of intellect, but, <laughs> but, but there's a little bit in here. We'll, we'll stumble on uh, some thoughtful some thoughtful opinion every now and then. Let's go to the phone. Bill in Florence. Good morning, Bill. Good morning. I just wanted to, to make a comment. Uh, these kind of decisions uh, by the beer company is not made by some individual in some obscure, far-off division. Uh, these are corporate decisions that are made to uh, extend the brand image of the of the company, and they're looking to buy additional market share. Uh, so, uh, yeah, local distributors do have input on the company that they're representing, and and it'll be interesting to hear what kind of response that they do have. Uh, back to the corporate office. Thank you, sir. Appreciate that. I've been in business my entire life. I can't imagine making a decision that I believe gets me two percent of the market share, but I give up forty. I mean, I, for the, I mean, I, I just—it's hard for me to fathom that this was not a mistake at the corporate level. I mean, it, it would be—I mean, if that—that's who's running InBev. We need different people running InBev. If you're an investor in InBev, sell, sell today. Um, you know, and I don't know what the truth is and Bill doesn't know what the truth is. We're speculating, but, but there's nothing about gaining a percent or two of the market share, but pissing off 40 or 50% of the, there's nothing about that that makes any sense. And I have been in business my entire life. And the one thing I've always tried to do is grow my market share, whether it's truck bodies, convenience store, um, logistics. I mean, I've been in a, a commercial development, um, you know, apartment leasing. I've been in a lot of different kinds of our businesses and there's nothing there's nothing i do to try and gain one half of one share to give up 30 percent of another let's go to the phone larry in the pd good morning good morning i think that we're thinking about it a little bit wrong we're we're thinking about what companies do in an open and free market do you think that if i wanted to begin a national beverage distribution company i could even do it in 2023? No. No. So what they know is there's nobody to compete with them. They're not worried about losing market share. They're, they are the beer company. I mean, there's going to be three or four of them, and that's it. And they're going to evenly divide because they're it. That, that's all the choices you've got. And if you think Michelob tastes like Swill, then you're not going to change no matter what Anheuser-Busch does to you. So this isn't an advertising ploy. This is people who've decided... We have enough influence in the world to change it, and we're going to change it. And who can stop us? Who can compete with us? Who can rise to the level and counter this narrative? Nobody. The cathedral? Are you saying this is the cathedral in action, Larry? Well, it's 
the result of the cathedral okay. in action. Okay, okay. These people are so empowered because they know government is essentially on their side in that the regulatory controls are so high, no one can come to their level anymore. So they're not going anywhere. Interesting. Well said. Thank you, Larry. But, but happy, I wonder, is, is be good Easter. Um, is, is there an agenda in play? I mean, some of Disney's criticism recently is they you know, released some video where some high-level executives were talking about their they're trying to promote a certain agenda. Well, I mean, you're speculating, Larry. I mean, we're right. all speculating. I, I, I wonder. Well, right. well, well, okay, okay. I'll wonder this. Is corporate, and Larry kind of touched on this, is the corporate-level management of a company like InBev so out of touch with the, the average American that they don't know who their market is? I mean, Larry makes a very valid point. Uh, and I said earlier, I don't know that I'd encourage my kids to go into business for themselves. I mean, there, there, there's certain businesses that have cornered certain markets in a way, and, it, and it's really the, the connection to government, the, the, the adherence to government, um, the, um, the, the collaboration um, with government. That, we'll we'll kind of go down that road a good bit Monday. Hold on to that. we got to get out of here in about a minute or so. If Rev is comfortable with this, I want him to share a story because I'm going to Augusta National because Rev – uh, the Royal Rev of Radio, um, uh, one of my friends in high places, uh-huh. um, ended up with tickets to Augusta National and has been kind enough for the last several years to allow me to carry a family member. But, but Rev, you're not the president of Nike. You're not the president of True. InBev. I mean, they'll be there. I'm sure of that. I'll bump in to the well-to-do. But but your story is because I think it's very interesting. Well, and and it's not me. I mean, not 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 at all me. It's just you, as far as I'm concerned. But continue. <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> I'm I'm a conduit here. But yeah, I mean, since you since you brought it up, my wife's family's from Augusta and had been on the patrons list. I mean, basically since the the early '60s, and therefore, um, I guess you know they've have have access and and we've been privileged enough over the years to to have uh, some tickets uh, every year. And then yes, we. Uh, I mean, they're they're. You know, I guess with friends and family, I mean, get to go to Augusta, and it is a tremendous privilege. So your father-in-law worked somewhere where they were hawking Masters tickets back <laughs> in the day when hardly anybody really wanted Masters yeah. tickets. Yeah. And 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 I think that's, that's the story. And, and out of that comes, you know, getting on the patrons list. So it's kind of interesting. And, and here's what the story is. Mm-hmm. So when I go to Augusta today, or you go tomorrow, the next day, it's not just the CEO of Nike. It's not just the jet setters. It's not just the. I mean, th- there will be a lot. There'll be more Lear jets and Gulf Streams in Augusta than there normally are. I'm sure of that. That there'll be more um, business transacted in Augusta <laughs> than there normally is. I'm sure of that. But there are many, many, many people who believe in that tournament so much, in that town so much, in that event so much that they've held on with everything they have to the right to buy those tickets and own those tickets, and that's the. I don't know, Rev, the uniqueness of Augusta National. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is where yep. the person who worked at the right place 50 years ago has the right to go where the person who owns Nike. Enjoy your weekend. We'll talk Monday.